The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome back to the Source of Truth podcast on this Wednesday edition. And we're so glad you're with us, whether you're watching us live at 11 o'clock on our YouTube channel or Facebook page, or whether you're watching this archived or listening to it later, uh, we just want to say welcome and we commend you for making the Word of God part of your day and hope it will inspire you and encourage you today and be an answer to questions maybe on your mind right now. So Psalm chapter 86, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. Uh, I'm going to walk through, I'm going to start with one verse, the verse kind of I want to focus our thoughts on today, and then we'll look at a few verses prior and after this verse. A verse that really, even as I was studying it this morning, just began to speak to things in my heart and questions in my life and my situation, and uh, so I hope that we'll do the same thing for you. So Psalm chapter 86, in verse 11, David says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. He starts off with the idea of teach me thy way. Now, I really just want to take a couple minutes and focus our attention on the idea of teaching. And really, it really kind of fits in the aspect that many of you um, either just started back school or college or about to start back in school. Uh, Parents, maybe you've just sent your children back to school. And so inevitably, you're going to find out your favorite teacher, your least favorite teacher, the least favorite subject, things of that nature. And each of us remember different parts of school. My son just started school last Thursday. Uh, We just dropped our daughter off at college this weekend, last weekend. And so uh, there's a lot of conversation in our our home, even last night, talking about how was your first day of classes and things of that nature. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of homework. She mentioned one of the classes is history of civilization. And uh, she's like, this is a lot of reading. And just learning the newness. And a lot of times we do. We come in, we say, I don't know if I like this class. Do I really need this class? I remember the big question when taking algebra and uh, was always, when are we ever going to use this? Now, anybody who's been in mathematics understands the premise of learning the critical thinking and things of that nature, but there's a lot of things like that. I'll never forget once sitting in English class, grammar class, and somebody saying, when are we ever going to use this? And uh, the teacher, you know, just probably wanted to say something like, apparently you are never going to. Uh, it's amazing to me. You know, when are we going to use history? When are we going to use math? And what happens is we come in with the idea we don't like. We don't like the fact that people tell us you have to learn this. Uh, we don't like, I remember in sports when I was in high school, coaching sports from two different you know, perspectives at that point. There were things that our coaches made us do. I just never understood the premise of it. Why are we doing this? When we were in soccer, our coaches made us do leg lifts. You'd lay on your back and straight your knees out and pick your leg up no more than six inches off the ground. It, it was just physically painful as it hurt the core. Well, obviously the premise was at some point in the game, you were likely going to be hit in the stomach by someone's leg, by a soccer ball. And you need to be ready for it. It was, it was protective. And when it does happen and you didn't fall down in incomplete pain, you go back and you're grateful for the exercise and the training that God or that the coach at that time put you through. When we talk about in verse 11, teach me thy way, I look at the idea of the word teaching. 
A lot of times what we do, at least in our thinking, if we, if we ignore, we, we kind of look at the Christian journey the same way we look at algebra, the same way we look at a team sport round, the same way we look at college. Okay, I'm coming here and I want to learn this, 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 teach me, but I don't care about these things. And, and so I want to be able to get my degree in only the things that I want to learn. And then we become frustrated or do poorly in the classes of which we're convinced we don't need any training on. And I believe it's exactly sometimes how we view the Christian journey. We view the Christian journey with the premise of God, this is what I need you to teach me. This is what I need you to do for me. This is where I'm going. And I'm going to end up here. And because I want to end up here, here's the things I need you to teach me and give me strength in so that I can end up there. And so we kind of come to God like we do some of these teachers. You do what I want, forgetting the fact that God not only knows better. You know, when I look at our coaches in the past and teachers in the past, we can look back and say not only were they older, they knew what they were doing. They had knowledge and experience in places I don't. God is even above that because God not only has experience, obviously, he knows where I'm going. He knows where his ultimate plan is leading me. And he knows what is necessary when I get there. So he's doing things right now to prepare me for whatever it is coming. I don't like him all the time. Frankly, rarely do I like it. Because God is going to take us out of our comfort zone. He's going to teach us. He's going to mold us. He's going to kind of chisel off the parts of our life we don't like there. And he's going to use circumstances and other people and things we absolutely really despise to help us get there. Well, that's obviously how we grow in Jesus. By, you know, he says in James, the trying of your faith works patience. But then he says, but let patience have a perfect work. Let that trying develop patience, which develops maturity in our life. We don't like it. We look at it. And we can even look at it from the perspective that, that whatever God is doing obviously is wrong because there's no way we can see it as good. And we can even begin to have a wrong view of God based upon it. So having said those couple of things, let's look at the few verses prior. Um, let's see exactly. Um, verse 8. Among the gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. Now, obviously, in the Old Testament times, there's a lot of false gods, a lot of idols, a lot of and there are pagan religion, and that was a major issue. And Israeli people often, the Jewish people, would often run away from Jehovah God to follow the other gods. Not that the other gods had done anything for them. They followed the other gods because that's what culture said was the right thing to do. Well, you know, Judaism or Jesus, Jehovah, he, he's just intolerant. You need to follow the right way. This is what the world's doing. You need to do this. It's the right thing and you're wrong. And, and generationally, it's easy to do. It's easy to have the world and culture tell us what to believe. It's easy to become like that. We sometimes do the same thing today. Religions across board are, and even some of them calling themselves evangelical, are going to the Bible and they're twisting scripture or ignoring scripture to make the teaching of culture okay when it's not it's a hundred percent wrong instead of standing graciously lovingly but firmly in the word of god and saying we love you but the bible says this we say well the bible doesn't really it's, it's can you really say this Is that what jesus meant and we put ourselves in the place of god in that area so he's saying literally be careful these other thinkings are wrong and none of them have done anything like you. Verse 9, all nations whom thou hast made, by the way, which are all the nations, he made everything, shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. At some point, we know prophecy is stated many times. Isaiah said it, Paul said it in Philippians, there will be a day when every knee will bow. 
in every tongue will glorify his name, will confess that he is Lord. It doesn't make a difference, their belief. Now, you think of all of the different religions across the globe, all the people who claim atheism. At some point, they will bow down. They will bow down to Jesus in submission. Now, I hope, let me tell you two things. And that day, it'll be because they finally recognize who he is. So, but for many, for those who have not accepted and bowed down to Jesus prior to that, unfortunately, in that day, they're about to be condemned to eternity in hell. So don't wait until that day. That day is a day where you will bow down before you're placed in judgment if you've not accepted Jesus first. So do it now. Bow down now. Accept him now. Worship him now. Because there is no other way. He is the only God. He is the one. All nations will do that. Verse 10. Why are they going to bow down for he? For thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Thou art God alone. Can I tell you, in the Old Testament time, they would look at that and say, there's no other pagan God. There's no other false God. You are God alone. But can I encourage you that I think, and this actually is a religious thinking in our culture today, and I don't believe that as the average Christian we would say this is our religious thinking. But I'll be honest, I think sometimes it can creep itself in, and we would never, we don't even think, realize this. He says he is God alone, which means he's God above me. He's God above my desires. He's God above my understanding of what's going on. He's God above my understanding of my circumstances and what he has allowed into my life. He's above that. He knows. And if I'm going to ever see him do work in my life, I have to accept that what he's doing and what he's allowing is good because he's God and he's God alone and he's good. So I will trust. Now, so we talk about the fact that he's God alone. He's the only one that has the answers. He's the only one that has direction. He's the only one that knows what's going on. And he has, number one, the best for you. Remember that. He's got a plan. A couple weeks ago, we, two weeks, two Sundays ago, we talked about the idea of the chosen vessel, that I am chosen by God. God knows who's going to accept him in the, by the foreknowledge, by his foreknowledge. He knows who of us are going to call upon him for salvation. Therefore, he has a predestined, a perfect will for those who are going to accept him chosen for something for him or a vessel were just to be usable by him and that's what he's saying but in that usable nature we need to empty ourselves of what we want and say god what do you want this is your plan it doesn't make sense and frankly sometimes it hurts sometimes it just seems like it just kind of it hurts more than good but lord you're in control and so i will trust you with all my heart because he's good therefore because of all that i will let him beg him Teach me your way, not my way, not the way of culture, not the way of church, your way, not the way of a social media preacher, which is saying something since this is on social media, not the way of of a popular preacher in old times, God's way. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth, not in my truth, not in my opinion, not in the views and culture of today, in, in your truth and his truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Take away, you know, James kind of talks about double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Lord, take away my, my perspective of always looking at everything from so many different perspectives. And my heart goes after this and my heart goes after this. Lord, unite, keep myself focused on you. You'll take care of the details. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of a heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know, was it um, Galatians 6, 9? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. This is what we follow. This is what we put our trust in. Let him do it. We can ask him to teach. And so just like school, just like lessons, just like some things at work you have, we don't always like what we're being taught. We don't always like the subject. We don't always like how it comes across. 
But we need to learn these things. And there's no greater teacher than God. May we allow what he's doing in our life to be the teacher that we need him to be. It's not going to be easy, but it is absolutely necessary. If we're going to grow in him, let patience have her perfect work. The word let is a command. Let it happen. Allow it. Let God do what he wants, that you may be perfect, mature, and entire, wanting nothing. You will come to that place of completion in him and see his work. Thanks for taking time this morning to join us for these few minutes in the Word of God. Again, I commend you for joining us. We appreciate the privilege to have you with us. If you're local to Pennsylvania, we invite you, or to the southeastern, the Philadelphia area. If you don't have a church, we invite you to join us tonight. Our Bible study starts at 7 o'clock in the auditorium, and then we'll finish the night with a time of prayer. Our teens will start in the gymnasium. Kids will start down in the kids' club area, and we will take time down there, and then they will swap and kids will finish at the end in our gymnasium. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Uh, we just appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Hope it was a help, and we look forward to seeing you next time.